Hi there! You're about to listen to a vintage episode of the Under the Microscope podcast. While the content is still as relevant and as interesting as when it was recorded, our webpage has changed. You can now find us at thesciencetalk.com slash real-scientist-nano. Welcome to Under the Microscope. This series is brought to you by the Real Scientists Nano team. Our goal is to provide a platform where scientists can communicate their work and interact with the public. With that in mind, every week we introduce you to a scientist working in the field of materials and nanoscience who would be curating the RealSci underscore nano Twitter account. Hi everyone, today we have with us Bura Guzal Turk, who is an assistant physicist at the Argonne National Laboratory in Chicago, Illinois. Hi Burak, how are you? Hi Pranati, thank you so much, doing good. And thanks for this opportunity uh, for, yeah, for in general, for bringing this business to life and <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you, cool glad effort, you yeah. enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you. So let's let's dig in. Let's start by understanding your scientific career. You mentioned in the short podcast that you are doing science not in your home country or not. Uh, mm-hmm. You're an international uh, scientist here. So please tell us about your career journey so far. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I was born in Turkey on mm-hmm. the west coast across Greece on mm-hmm. the Aegean seaside. Mm-hmm. And it's third big biggest city Izmir Mm -hmm. Uh, then I went to Ankara the capital for uh, my undergraduate studies Mm -hmm. then actually I decided to stay there for my master's and PhD as well so it was Mm -hmm. a the same university for 11 years so (laughs) this is pretty long you really like the like the university I see that (laughs) I like the environment yeah it was pretty nice Uh so uh, I, I studied electrical engineering uh electrical and electronics engineering more the precise term uh for the whole time and mm-hmm. in very early like my first year i was taking physics 101 and physics 102 classes mm-hmm. and the professors were um very well known people in nanoscience in turkey like they mm-hmm. were pretty much the leaders in that uh, community mm-hmm. and like during breaks course breaks we were chatting about the research how fun it is and so on and so forth. And I realized like I, I got pretty much uh, pumped up about nanoscience. I, I started learn, like reading about it. And then I mm-hmm. approached them. I said, okay, may I come and work in your labs and learn more about it? And they say, yeah, fine. Uh, come and join. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, I started working in the lab by my third year, uh, my junior mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And by next year, I was almost like close to a publication. I said, okay, this is really fun. I mm-hmm. loved it. Like uh, there were uh, pretty experienced people in the lab and helping me, and I was doing also some individual project. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. And I said, "Okay, yeah, I- I'm gonna work on this more. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. learn this more." Right. Then I did my masters and PhD in the same group uh, in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very productive, very fun time. Uh, we were like 12. 13 people, students in the same office, very quantum confined. <laughs> it was a very packed office, but very fun place to be. 
uh, a lot of teamwork. So some people were doing some part of the project, mm -hmm. some some others, and then we were bringing the different pieces of the puzzle together. Mm -hmm. It was very productive time, to be honest. Like we published so many papers, <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. and uh, we were mainly doing uh, these tiny nanocrystals mm -hmm. of uh, cadmium selenide and their derivatives. Now people are using them in TVs as uh, backlight units. Like Samsung, Sony, they have these Q QLEDs, right? Mm, uh, the QLEDs is that QLEDs exactly. Right. So they, we were working on the queue of that LEDs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And right. when I started my master's PhD back in 2009, I never dreamt that dreamed that quantum dots will make it into market within. I think they make made it into market by 2016 or so. So I, I yeah, I was telling to my mom that okay, I'm working on some materials that that are gonna make into the real life maybe in 25 years. So don't expect <laughs> anything from me in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still doing basic research is what they call it, not a more away from the lab, away away from the application, away from the industry. Uh, yeah, I'm, that's why my thought. But then things escalated fast, like efficiencies were like 30 percent, 40 percent for mm -hmm. radiative efficiencies back in 2009. And it was like already almost 95 percent by 2013. And things developed nice. very quickly, yeah, like, OK. We didn't do much, but there, there was a huge community all around the world who did like a tremendous progress, mm -hmm. and we were maybe a small part of it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then uh, I also did some like I did some solar cells using quantum dots, some LEDs, some lasers. Mm -hmm. I got more interested in lasers towards the end of my PhD. I focused most on doing lasers because it was more challenging right. and less people do it. Right. Uh, there, there were problems and. Like some technical problems, I addressed some of them, and we like there were some cool results coming out. Mm -hmm. And then my PhD started to like the end of my PhD approached, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's like a interesting time because until you come to the end of your PhD, you don't think about it much, but that time comes and it's like a blip. Then, okay, what am I what am I gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> what do uh, I want in my life? Go on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I spent this six seven years, and now. What am I gonna do with it? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, some philosophical, and uh, you need to think maybe some strategically, or I don't know. It was a hard time. All right. Uh, I decided to took to hard path, mm -hmm. and because uh, I realized I re I'm really into the fundamentals of this stuff, like why an excited carrier is getting lost instead of being emitted, so that device efficiency is low. Mm. I really don't care too much about the device efficiency, maybe. But I mm -hmm. really care what happens to that excited state. Like, what happened mm -hmm. to it? Like, <laughs> right. so I decided to go more uh, in a group to do my postdoc as to understand these uh, fundamentals of microscopic mechanisms, what's going on. Mm -hmm. Then I joined uh, this group at Stanford University uh, mm -hmm. who does pretty fancy stuff. Uh, so I, I never heard it before, actually, in my PhD. They were uh, uh, doing ultra fast structural measurements. So, like, people do XRD. X-ray diffraction, right. they right. get the structure of the material, but uh, this group was doing ultra-fast X-ray, meaning that shine, they were shining light on the material, then mm -hmm. doing using a pulsed X-rays, and then mm -hmm. they were synchronizing the laser and X-ray with respect to each other, and then mm -hmm. looking at this excited state from the structure point of view. Uh -huh. How does the atoms and phonons 
are being induced by this excitation. Mm -hmm. And it provides a new perspective because when you think about materials, okay, people always talk about electrons and etc. but they all are in this lattice of atoms, right? So these vibrations of these things and their defects, the missing an atom, a vacancy, or mm -hmm. some kind of any type of imperfection is potentially a loss mechanism. Mm -hmm. So then it's important to understand uh, the atomic perspective on, on these processes. So I right. said, okay, it's very interesting. I want to join this group. And uh, I went there. I Okay, I would say it's like a second PhD for me because uh -huh. uh, at the end of your PhD, you have a thesis, you have a book, right? You, you feel a little bit entitled. You say, okay, I wrote like 150 pages on something and Absolutely. I'm a kind of an expert on something, not a big expert. Oh, I know kind. everything now. Not yeah, <laughs> not, not, not everything, but a little bit of on something. Right. But then in this group, I was the least knowledgeable person <laughs> to chat with on that, that business. from square one then. <laughs> yeah, square one, actually, yeah, back to square yeah. one. That was yeah. a bit of a challenge the first year of my postdoc. Uh, mm -hmm. It's like it's doing a new PhD, but now with the mindset of a... Uh, a postdoc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was uh, a bit of a challenge at the beginning, but I then picked up. Uh, yeah, I definitely lost my momentum like for a year because I, I was running in terms of like doing research, publishing papers, and but at the first right. year, postdoc, I need to learn to walk as a mm. baby. <laughs> right. But then, yeah, it, over time, I picked up, I get a little bit momentum, and I started really enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And then that's actually how I end up the job here at Argonne. Mm -hmm. uh, I started doing a lot of beam times in at Stanford and some other labs mm -hmm. uh, because that it's really hard to make those experiments in university labs. You really need uh, like facilities like synchrotrons, or in Europe, for example, there is uh, ESRF, and mm -hmm. there's even uh, more fancier capabilities like XFL, X-ray free electron lasers, mm -hmm. which are uh, again X-ray lasers. But mm -hmm. uh, with much, much finer time resolution, it's like hundreds of hundred femtoseconds. So it's right. 10 to the minus 15 seconds. Like it, and synchrotrons are on order of picosecond time range. So it's still good, but a little bit worse in resolution. But right. anyway, so I, I, I get into this business, uh, learned a lot, and mm -hmm. then uh, decided to continue in this area. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Yeah. And now at, I'm at APS. The mm -hmm. Synchrotron Advanced Photon Source and okay. now doing my own research plus helping user experiments. Okay. Uh, times. Okay, that's quite a journey you've had. That's really, really cool. So you you did speak a little bit about your your current research. Well, quite a bit about your uh, current research in the, in the short podcast. But my question to you is, where does it fit in this big picture of materials and nanoscience? Because the materials and nanoscience field is quite broad. So exactly. where does your work fit in? It fits mostly in, in characterization okay. and maybe advanced characterization, not a day-to-day -day simple <laughs> characterization. Not the lab, everyday lab characterization. No, 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 it's a special one. It's a it's special, advanced. more advanced characterization. Right, and, okay. Uh, Maybe uh, let's say you got stuck, you hit the wall, you don't you don't really understand something, mm -hmm. and maybe then these methods are way to go to uh, get more insights in, into your materials and and okay, for example, you have an LED, you work right. very hard, you get fifteen percent efficiency, 
mm-hmm. a theoretical limit is 25% and you're wondering why that I'm losing additional 10% and right. how can I fix it? Mm-hmm. Maybe then it might work to consider more uh, like these advanced techniques to maybe understand more about these uh, or what? drive new insights into the atomic structure and maybe mm-hmm. then improve the materials later uh, mm-hmm. using that in- insights. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that sounds that 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 does make sense. I think that's very very important, and I'm really curious. Uh, what? How do you see the dance of the electrons? What you what you <laughs> mentioned in the short podcast? So, Burak, it sounds to me that so far um, you have been involved in quite a lot of interesting research projects. I mean, you you were working on the Q of the QLEDs technologies that we are getting in right. our, our TVs now. Um, and also now, I'm sure your current research projects are also really exciting. Um, so my next question to you, I know this is a difficult one. I know this before asking this, but if you have to pick one research project that you're most proud of or the most mm-hmm. fun or quirky one, can you do that and explain it to us in super simple words in the section we call in other words? Yeah, that's definitely a diff- difficult question. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna pick a recent work of ours. Okay. Uh, it was a pretty big collaboration. I think the paper had 27 or 29 people. Like it was oh. a big effort. Oh uh, my God, yeah, that's a lot of people. A lot of people. Uh, it got published, published recently earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that work was pretty cool. I, I really enjoyed doing that. Mm-hmm. And we were actually four people leading it. So we were four e- equal first authors in, in that paper. Wow, uh, big uh, two project. grad students from Berkeley, Deepti, uh-huh. John, and uh, one another postdoc from Stanford, Ben Kotz. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we did is we, again, similar idea, shine light to a quantum <laughs> <light>. <laughs> uh-huh. And this light is a pulse laser light. So uh, there's a waiting time between laser pulses. Uh-huh. So we create this excited state, then we wait it to relax. During that time, we come with uh, actually now with uh, electrons. It's like a TEM, but in time result mode. So we do TEM in an ultra fast fashion. <laughs> oh, wow. It's called ultra fast electron diffraction. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a pretty cool technique. So, mm-hmm. what we learned from that experiment is that uh, when we excite the, these quantum dots that are also uh, pretty much used in these TV technologies, mm-hmm. uh, they were very efficient, like very close to 100% efficiency, but they're mm-hmm. efficient when you pump them very gently. So that's the trick. Like uh-huh. in, in TVs and so on and so forth, generally they're excited a little. But mm-hmm. in applications like lasers or or more advanced applications like solid state lightning, like lightning the rods and etc., you need more light and you need mm-hmm. to pump them hard. Right. And when you start pumping them hard, they start to become more inefficient. Right. Uh, because you have more than one excited state within this small volume of the quantum dot, then mm-hmm. they interact with each other and they generally annihilate each other. One right. of them loses the energy. It's called this Auger process. Mm-hmm. Electron is either kicked out in the higher levels, but then it relaxes quickly and it loses energy to the lattice. So it heats up. Right. So we basically wanted to see this heating up process because when people talk about this Auger, they see from Photoluminescence of the sample. They see like right. photons coming faster, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But it was very hard to see the nanocrystal being heated because of this event. 
-hmm. we basically saw it. So nanocrystals heats up on the same time scales that people shown or predicted hundreds of picoseconds. Mm -hmm. But then the more interesting thing that uh, to our observation was that when we excited with a much higher energy photon, like a UV photon, then mm -hmm. we observe that the nanocrystal is heating up, plus there are some weird deformations happening. We, we don't fully understand what those deformations are, mm -hmm. but we know that they're happening at the the very small length scale, meaning that, okay, this is cadmium atom, this is sulfur atom, mm -hmm. and this is like the smallest bond in that material, and it's something like three angstrom, it's very small, 0.3 nanometer, mm -hmm. and that bond was disordered uh, significantly. So meaning that uh, those carriers are localizing to a very small distance around an atom mm -hmm. and make, making the position of the atom a little bit deformed, so mm -hmm. de deforming the, uh, the unit cell. All right. And that means actually the, the, these electrons or holes, basically these electronic carriers are getting localized, getting trapped mm -hmm. uh, and deforming the structure. Right. And we saw it's significantly more happening with UV light. So, and mm -hmm. then we made some uh, theoretical estimates and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. We think that these hot carriers, hot carriers means excited electron hole pairs with excess kinetic energy, then right. depend. So because right. you excite with a high energy photon, those hot carriers can get trapped uh, easily then, or easier than, uh, I would say cold carriers or like bandage excitations. Right. And that was, a, I think, a pretty cool uh, observation. Mm -hmm. I think it could have implications on LEDs and lasers. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was talking to actually some industry people. They said, they mm -hmm. okay, they read the paper and it's pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. it, it says, they said, uh, maybe it explains some of those observations they're seeing. Uh, like the performance of the LEDs goes down if you pump them harder and harder, more current you drive them. Mm -hmm. So it's in a way related. So right. I think, yeah, I find it that the fundamental information, but potential applications to solve maybe some problems in real devices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I okay. think it, and it was a big effort. Like we get samples from <laughs> Chicago, Berkeley, Stanford, and the experiment is, was a beam time at Slack National Lab and like mm -hmm. a team of five, six people doing the experiment or like 24 hours per five, six days. It was a pretty demanding experiment, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, and then Terry Group supporting us with some calculations. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty big effort. Yeah, it took like two years to get everything wrapped up and submit the paper. Nice, uh, just to submit the paper. Then comes the the review process and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. review <laughs> process was fast. It took like just three months or so. It, it was ah, fast. That's really so cool. You were lucky. Yeah, you were lucky. <laughs> It's done. We are done now. This needs to go out in the world. Our work needs to go out in the world. But that's really yeah. cool. I can understand why you picked this as one of the projects that you're proud of because it is not just not. It's also interesting from the scientific perspective, of course, very, very interesting, but also the teamwork, um, the diverse teamwork that goes into doing such uh, beautiful right. science. It's it's very important to talk about. So that's that's really cool. I'm, I'm glad. And I hope you will talk more about it because uh, now the paper is published, so you can talk about it when right. you're taking over yeah. the account. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so Burak, at least from the way you explain the science, I think you really like the research aspect of being a scientist. <laughs> um, 
But other than that, what else do you like about being a scientist? Other than the research, like going in the lab and doing the, the work, what else? Okay, so I, I, I think I like several different bits for, <laughs> on this <day> as well. <laughs> Please elaborate. <laughs> uh, like talking to other scientists is very, uh, very nice. And like, I find it very refreshing to mm -hmm. also talk with people who are not in my immediate field because mm -hmm. uh, learning about challenges of different uh, fields and different areas, different materials, mm -hmm. whatever you can think of. Like, it's very interesting that what I'm doing is not the only thing in the world, and that's first. Mm. And the second is there are different approaches, like some communities follow a totally different approach, for example, mm -hmm. uh, than what my community or what I'm doing in my research. And then I can take, I get inspired by that, which is very important in mm -hmm. science and in life to mm -hmm. see differences. Right. Uh, and uh, I like that a lot. The other thing is related to research is I like reading papers, like it's like a hobby. <laughs> I just <laughs> go to like nano letters every other day in ACS Nano, Nature Nano, whatever. Like I keep, mm -hmm. oh, what new paper came and just skim <laughs> through the paper and right. yeah, and and also uh, follow like, oh, okay, this group keep publishing very cool papers. Yeah, like what's going to be the next thing? or whatever. <laughs> you are the perfect scientist. I would say you're the perfect scientist. You're doing what you should be doing and you, what you enjoy doing. So that's really good. You're a perfect scientist, I would say. Because uh, you also know, enjoy yeah, reading the you. paper. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. Uh, nice to know. So, Burak, what advice would you give uh, to the researchers or students, let's say, who are starting out today? Um, you have accumulated quite a lot of experiences and learnings from all these years of being a scientist. Uh, so if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give yourself or what advice would you give to the students who are starting out today? Yeah, I think uh, one advice that I got back in the time was that uh, maybe life is also like that, but research is definitely like that. You put effort, you put effort, you put effort, Nothing comes yeah. out, nothing comes out, nothing comes out. You put more mm -hmm. effort, nothing comes out. But then all of a sudden, it starts coming out. So <laughs> there is both a learning curve plus, I, I it's like a di diode. Like you, you apply <laughs> voltage, no current, increase the right. voltage, no current. And all of a sudden, a lot of current. Like you, you turn it on. It's, it's right. now like a short-circuited, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so research and life is a bit like that. You, you need to put, I think one is to be a bit more or be persistent, keep trying. Mm -hmm. Things definitely fail first, second, third, fourth time, maybe mm -hmm. fifth time, maybe sixth time. So I don't know the count. So it can happen a lot. Sometimes you're lucky, maybe sometimes you get it on the first time, but right. one must know that it must be pretty darn good luck. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of time. And mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely one thing. And mm -hmm. I always have it like even whatever you become a professor or whatever it's still there like because you don't do the same thing over and over and over again you, you keep changing the question mm -hmm. the material whatever right. you, you, it's dynamic right it's always changing right then you, you don't go to square one but you go to square x minus one or x minus three or whatever <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes so and you need to be then follow the same 
in a way, not the same recipe, but a similar recipe of like try different things. And that's one thing. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is uh, what I learned uh, also through my scientific adventure, I will say there are different approaches to the same problems, definitely. Like with an engineering student, my thinking and my looking at the problem was different. Now I, it's different. And because I now mm -hmm. interacted with more people, so more papers, so more experiments. Mm -hmm. With more people now, I have more experience that I can apply, but it's not the end of the road. I need to gain more and more and more. So it's, it's a continuous process. Right. And keep learning, and there's no stop to it. Mm -hmm. It's like a black hole, you keep learning and it, it keeps coming. So, <laughs> <laughs> and the third thing is, I think, try to identify your own strengths and passions. I think that's kind of an important thing because it's kind of easy that you see, you can see a person next to you or your upper class or whatever, you know, from somewhere. And maybe that person is very skilled, very maybe has a strength in doing something and he's successful. Mm -hmm. Maybe you think, oh, I want to be like him. Mm -hmm. But okay, that's a good ambition. But uh, the question is, okay, I think everybody can do everything. I believe in that truly. Mm -hmm. But then do you need, are you willing to spend the time Invest. Gain those skills yeah. and to be like him, or it doesn't need yeah. to be like cool to him, but like similar to him. Right. For some people with different strengths, it might be very difficult. Maybe mm -hmm. that person is more skilled and maybe more uh, easy to direct into a different field. So right. uh, maybe knowing your own strengths might help you to uh, position yourself with respect to that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's an important thing because, well, somebody is a math genius, and if you want to be like him, I know that I'm I'm okay in math, but I'm not a math math genius. <laughs> uh, so if if that my that was my ambition, I would be a little bit miserable. I know that because mm -hmm. I don't really that enjoy doing that stuff. So mm -hmm. I know that. So it wouldn't be a good role model for me to to take that person, for example. Right. Uh, so I think. Aligning your own strengths and your ambition will be kind of my third suggestion, I guess. Third advice. Okay, all three very, very sound advices. Thank you very much. And I hope the listeners are going to take uh, take them seriously. And Because I think these are the things which are in the air, but not a lot of people speak about everything, all the three things that you spoke about. Uh, so thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, Burak, I hope um, your research experience so far has been wonderful and will continue to be wonderful in the future as well. Um, however, if you have three wishes to improve your research experience, uh -huh. what would you ask for? And I'm not promising anything here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question. Three wishes, like a research genie comes to yes, me. Yes, yes. Okay, genie, what my first wish. <laughs> My first Coffee wish machine. is funding. Like, give me funding. <laughs> of course, I saw this yeah. coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> give me all the money you have. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, especially I think all research, everything goes with funding. But especially in our field, experimental uh, research, like everything is expensive, right? Like even if you mm. want to buy very tiny equipment but if it's scientific equipment then it's like double or triple the price absolutely yeah and even small things like a falcon tube or whatever like 
it starts adding a lot of costs and mm. without funding things are really hard to do right. to compete with people who are at the cutting edge right uh, therefore uh like in here at synchrotron we have internal funding to make our synchrotron labs better mm -hmm. but um, not so much funding for our own personal research like if i want to do particular this material this experiment then it's more challenging but if i want to develop the beam beam line better then yes there is uh more funding within the synchrotron mm -hmm. uh, the second so you asked for three um three <laughs> interesting yeah the second one i don't know i'm now too crazy my mind is too crazy about ideas so i, I cannot pick one but <laughs> maybe fine. one of them yeah one of them is uh i think okay i i really like google i i'm like i spend a lot of my time on google searching for keywords papers and uh stuff <laughs> but i feel that thing is becoming a bit cluttered at some point like okay maybe it's related to more philosophical because today society is producing crazy information not crazy amount of information it's like mm. everybody's talking about big data and so on and so forth right and like every second maybe hundreds of papers are getting published so mm -hmm. it's impossible to follow research properly as you could do in back in 60s 70s where you get your own papers and print <laughs> from <Right>. the publisher <laughs> mailed to you every month or something and right. yeah now there are like hundreds of journals okay maybe not every place has the same quality and so on and so forth but uh i wish maybe there is a way to uh sort and uh what is that word in english uh, access like to information or like access to information and maybe uh sort the information better target structure your... it in a in a nicer way structure it in a more accessible and a quicker way that you can quickly get an overview okay how do i synthesize cadmium selenide Nanomaterial, exactly like, yeah you type for example uh whatever like expansion coefficient of this okay yeah. you end up like papers from 90s or whatever like yeah but then oh do i trust this paper or like <laughs> there's no like good source of uh yeah, it, it becomes challenging if you are really looking for something niche. Right. And, yeah. Uh, that sometimes is a lot of uh, time lose. Like, mm -hmm. it's something simple, but maybe you just spend 30 minutes or more, or maybe, yeah, just searching for it. I right. wish maybe there's some special thing, like uh, <laughs> like a Pokedex in Pokemon, like you just hype <laughs> it and like whatever it is and just gives you just ask details. alexa or your google home okay alexa what is the expansion coefficient of xyz and they you just get yeah. the answer right yeah. the value yeah they're they're, good. Cool. they're coming up but yeah like i sometimes ask my uh, google like okay google sing me a song or whatever like <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty bad like <laughs> still there so easy access all right, easy access. I most, think so, yeah, something most like that. Information that would be your second. What's the third wish? Uh, maybe it's it might be related to our current world, like where we are just coming out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Maybe more uh, easier connection among scientists, people. Uh, okay, pandemic affected everybody in the world pretty much. Mm -hmm not mm -hmm. just scientists so uh but from my perspective like 
being back to conferences, talking to people, uh, because like you can read papers, you can do other things, but maybe sometimes just talking to a person or just listening to his talk or her talk might give you a, a flash of inspiration because right. of what she or he said or like how he draw or explain something rather right. than just looking at more uh, in or inanimate objects like papers or whatever. Mm -hmm. like biological things are more inspiring than <laughs> that makes non biological sense. things. Yeah, that makes sense. All three very valid wishes, and I'm especially curious about, or I'm especially intrigued by the second one that you mentioned. Um, but yeah, this has been wonderful, Burak. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Uh, one last thing I wanted uh, I wanted to ask you. I can't let you go without asking about your experiences or your learnings from the pandemic um, the, which started yeah. in 2020 or which came to the Western world in 2020, apparently. So what are your learnings from the year 2020? So it means the world is crazy and crazy things can happen at any time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Expect that is correct. anything at any time. So right. I think it's, if it was a Hollywood movie, I would go and watch it and say, okay, it's pretty cool. Have you watched this movie? Like the whole world's facing a pandemic and everybody's under, cannot go work and do and Very mm. nice plot. I like the movie, like, but it, it happened yeah. in reality, right? So yeah. it was real. And uh, mm -hmm. everybody I think went through differently. Some mm -hmm. people maybe hated it because they lost a lot of connections. They lost people. It was very sad. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was okay for some other people, maybe <laughs> more introvert people, they already didn't need too much connection or something, or right. they were already loaded up with too much uh, input from outside world. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Uh, right. But yeah, it was an interesting, I think in the history books coming up in the next 50 years or so, I think we will hear, or there will be more interesting outcomes of this thing. Because it was like an experiment, right? The whole world pretty much. It's a social experiment. Social experiment. That's what it is. Yeah. And I absolutely. sometimes think, was it intentional or not? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't don't feed into the conspiracy theories. Yeah. Please note. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Anything can happen uh, at any moment. And it's important to be prepared. And so, so. You cannot prepare, but yeah, just. Being minds in the in that mindset, maybe yeah, that can happen for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just just go with it. Um, yeah, yeah with and it. just be safe. That's important. Yeah. So, Burak, thank you very much for speaking with us. Uh, this has been lovely, and very very much looking forward to having you on Real Scientist Nano Twitter account. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Pranati, for this opportunity and for organizing this very cool stuff. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. To know more about us, please visit our website realscientistsnano.org and follow us on Twitter at realsci_nano.